Hey everybody, Dave Hodges here in the guest segment of the Common Sense Show. Thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate you being with us. Always awesome to have you here. Like-minded Americans trying to hang on to what civil liberties and what country and what money supply and what moral values we have left. Am I giving up? No. But to say that things are looking up, well, that would be maybe a little rosier picture than really exists. But we're here on the Common Sense Show to try to accomplish those aforementioned goals, and we need your help. Please distribute these broadcasts far and wide. They're digital for a reason, because they're easy to share. Please share. There are so many people out there still watching CNN, thinking that's reality. We need to untangle that. Hey, we're brought to you by the best durable food company in the world. And who's that, you say? <laughs> uh, that would be MPS. And why do I say that? Because they have stood tall and strong through this crisis. Unlike a lot of our competitors, they have not wavered. They have met delivery. They have met quality. They have met quantity. They have the continuing ongoing special $50 off the four-week package. And if you're looking to accumulate storable food at this late date, that's the way to do it. You save $50 every time you order if you order in four-week segments. Restaurant quality food. 25-year shelf life, 2,000 calories per day, and I've tasted it. It's restaurant quality. You would not know any different. Lots of variety, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Go to preparewithdave.com, and let me just say this very quickly. You've got Bill Gates, who's now the largest owner of farmland in America. Could I sound a bigger warning bell? Go to preparewithdave.com. And if you haven't taken care of business, this may be your last chance. Also, we're brought to you by Noble Gold. And the reason that I keep pushing Noble Gold is, one, I'm a customer, and they have saved me. They diversified me. I would have been destroyed had the dollar collapsed when I got to Noble Gold. And I just kind of looked at it and said, I've been advertising. I think these guys do a good job. Let me find out how good. Well, I owe them a lot, and they can go over your portfolio with you. And make some recommendations but one thing they're not going to tell you to do is to leave all your money in the bank gold silver bitcoin iras backed by precious metals they specialize in it all and they do it first rate there's no pressure i want you to give them a call see if they can help you like they help me 877-646-5347 that's 877-646-5347 that takes care of the business for who brings us this show noble gold and mps and we have Ken Clark with us. Ken is a former elector in Texas, knows the process well. We've had him on a couple of times before to talk about that process. Uh, he's also a county commissioner, so he knows the politics in the state of Texas. And I don't think there's many more qualified people than Ken to come on this show and say, what in the heck is going on in Texas? Now, from afar, if you've been following me, on YouTube or our TV channel, thecommonsenseshow.tv, you know I have blistered Abbott. I used to support the guy. I was kind of sucked in by him, and I believed all the nonsense. I see him as one of them at this time, and we're going to get into some of that with Ken, and I'm going to share my concerns, and Ken's going to give his analysis from an insider in politics in the state of Texas. And we'll talk about where Texas is going. But I also want to hit the ice storm, the power outages, and how many coincidences does it take 
until you get a conspiracy. Ken, welcome to the show. I'm glad you could join us. Thank you, Dave. I appreciate the opportunity to come and uh, visit with your audience today. Yeah, well, it wasn't too long ago you were on, but things have now changed, and I had to have you on. Let's start with the power outage. Um, you don't have to comment on the first part. I'll just put, put out my position. I know one of the signatories on Air Force Owning the Weather 2025. I have a hard copy of the patents. I have published the patents on the website, thecommonsenseshow.com. I know weather wars are real. I know they're used by all sides today. Um, we often call it Project Harp, but it goes much further than that. Um, is there any feeling in Texas that this weather event was unnatural? There is a number of people that would uh, allude to that, that this was unnatural. Um, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily ascribe to that. I, I ascribe more to we're rolling into a, uh, a solar minimum, and that is that has created a unstable jet stream along with the Gulf Stream, and we're going to see these type of weather anomalies uh, moving forward. And uh, but there are a number of people that that feel that this was an an orchestrated cold that uh, really decimated. Texas as a whole, the entire state was, you know, under freezing conditions, even in the Rio Grande Valley where we grow uh, citrus, Texas is the third largest uh, producer of citrus in the country, uh, it appears that over 40% of that citrus crop has either been damaged or destroyed because of the ice, and, uh, you know, agriculture across the entire state has been uh, decimated as well got the agriculture commissioner who has sent out some very blistering emails towards the, the governor and um, there, there seems to be an uproar amongst the number of statewide and in the legislature I do know that the lieutenant governor has made it his personal mission to fix the ERCOT issue and uh, so we'll see how that, that develops through this legislative session. As you may or may not be aware, Dave, uh, Texas legislature meets for 140 days in the odd number years. Mm -hmm. So uh, they will, they're supposed to sign a die, which means the session will be over on May 31st. So um, things that were potentially on the priority list have, have fallen lower on the priority list why other things have elevated. One of those things that has elevated is the ERCOT issue, along with uh, emergency powers of the governor, has, uh, has also elevated to the top of the list as well, because a number of uh, state representatives and state senators are not pleased with the way the, the governor handled the whole COVID issue. Yeah, let me back up for a second to one thing that I alluded to. Um, I'm not married to the conspiracy notion of what happened with the weather, but I will tell you the timing certainly invites conspiracy, and, and here's what I mean. Biden is uh, going full speed ahead at getting the guns. If I were to pick a state in the entire country that would be number one against standing up against federal gun intrusion and would say we're not going to honor that here, that'd be the state of Texas. 
Also, the climate change nonsense continues without any scientific validation, and it's a matter just of massive wealth redistribution. I don't see the Texas oil men putting up with it for one second. I could go on and name about five more things, but Texas stands firmly in the way of this new administration and their plans to deindustrialize and lower the standard of living of this country. And that's why I think it was curious at best that this event happened when it did at the beginning, the genesis of these new programs, because, you know, they say in a fight, if you're going to fight more than one person, you punch the biggest guy in the nose first. And a lot of people I talk to think that's exactly what happened. Yeah, well, when you, uh, you know, we've got a motto in Texas that says, don't mess with Texas. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's an act, you know, that's a, that's a statement we take very seriously. You know, so if they're gonna, <laughs> if they're going to punch us in the nose, they better they better be, you know, potentially ready for the the consequences. Well, I think the determinant whether or not my suspicions of conspiracy are correct will be the follow up. If there's significant follow up to this along these lines, you know, I, I have to tell you, my wife who's <laughs> Raised in Arizona, dedicated to Arizona, we've even had the Texas moving discussion. It hasn't got past the serious point, but it's something I'm surprised that she would even bring up, simply because of the fact that we see what's happening in our country, and there are bastions of freedom that are left. Florida is one of them. I think uh, North Dakota, South Dakota are two more, and of course, I think leading the way is Texas. And um, to me, Texas must be preserved in its entirety. Its authority, its sovereignty must be preserved because I think that they're the shining light to stand up to this tyranny of the globalist takeover of America. Well, I've said on a number of occasions myself that Texas is the leader of the free world. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree with that. Um, But I am getting a lot of communications. I've even heard from a couple of lower level politicians in Texas who have said I agree with you about your suspicions about foul play from uh, the globalists and the ice storm, the energy turbines, the whole nine yards and they they went into it don't use my name, <laughs> that bothers me but um, right. let's get into the energy situation what the heck happened? why was there in your opinion the massive energy failure in the face of these storms? I think there's I think there's several and let me start from let me start from years ago. You, you may recall, uh, Dave, that the Obama administration was on a mission to cl- close uh, clean coal-fired uh, generating plants, and in Texas they closed over 100 clean coal generating plants in Texas. If those plants were operational during the freeze we wouldn't have had the, the issues that we had. So I think that's, I think that's the, the first issue. And then the, the, the second issue is, is that on the 13th or 14th of February, the Abbott administration requested a waiver from the Department of Energy for environmental issues to start up some, some uh, natural gas and some other generating capacity and for the most part was turned down and I have seen the the DOD, 
the Department of Energy document online in various locations. So it is a it is a legitimate it is a legitimate document. And then I think the the other problem was that you know Texas has spent over the last ten years over nineteen billion dollars on wind turbines and clean energy and for that nineteen billion dollar investment it only has increased the generating capacity by three percent so that's not a real good rate of return on on investment and i think uh those issues are are what i would say the the leading cause of, of some of this along with the mismanagement by ERCOT and state officials um because in, in all honesty dave they really didn't mention rolling blackouts until sunday night before the big cold uh after it was dark so nobody really had the opportunity to how can you say prepare for blackouts uh, because they they brought it up at the last minute yeah exactly exactly you know it reminds me of um, uh, PG&E and California and the fires and how mismanaged that was was this a lack of preparation or how would you categorize this egregious lack of, of, of planning yeah, I mean, they, they, they probably, you know, in hindsight, uh, they should have known days in advance and told the, the Texas population that uh, there's, there's a good possibility we're going to have brownouts and blackouts because what people felt like was if they just kept the water trickling through their pipes that uh, as long as they had electricity, they'd be fine. But when you take the electricity away and now the water sits for a number of hours, you have a, a number of, of uh, issues that arise through broken pipes. Um, and, and, and that was tragic because really all you have to do is turn your water off at the water main, drain the furthest you know, bathtub, and now there's not enough water in your house to break pipes. And then when the uh, water, you know, when it, when it warms back up, you're ready to roll with no damage. So um, I think it was just a lack of preparation, not only on the on the on the state level, but uh, from from a power producing uh, situation as well. Yeah, but the thing that bothered me, and I heard from many people from Texas, just average people, they claim that they had no warning as to what was happening they would just simply discover no power exactly i mean like i said i'm watching the 10 o'clock news sunday night now they're telling me there's going to be blackouts there's going to be rolling blackouts first it was going to be you were going to be off for 15 minutes and then you'd be on for 15 minutes and uh, at 1 30 of the morning on monday uh, my power went out for 20 minutes, came back on for two hours, and then that was it until the next evening. Um, but I had I had drained all my pipes, so I didn't I didn't have an issue with with the uh, with the breaking pipes, and um, you know it it got it got pretty cold inside the house. What about people that needed medical equipment hooked up to a power source? 
you had you had no opportunity to plan. Did people die because uh, of this? Uh, yes, a number of people have died. They had uh, to have known this was going to happen. Well, somebody somebody knew, but they didn't they didn't say anything to anybody. I mean, like I said, I didn't I didn't know about the blackouts until Sunday evening, well after dark, where it makes it a little more challenging to make you know make preparations in the dark. You know, after you've been working all day to to get ready for the the, the cool weather. My gosh, this is. <laughs> So you have someone who's hooked up to whatever life-saving device they need to be hooked up to. They have no warning. The power's turned off. In a short time later, they're dead. How is that not criminally negligent homicide? Um, you know, that's where they do the force majeure, you know, the God. They break out the God clause. Blame it on God. I'm surprised more than that hasn't broken out, and I'll just kind of leave it at that. But I, I... well, I will, I will tell you that the uh, young boy who uh, died in his mobile home at the age of 11, the family has sued uh, a number of people for, I think, the numbers close to 100 million. Yeah, I saw that. So, you, what was the so cause that, of death? That, do, that, do you know? Uh, I don't think that's actually been uh, made public at this point um, I don't, they didn't they haven't I think they're keeping that close to the vest mm -hmm. man this is just so outrageous I, uh, it's such irresponsible behavior but ultimately doesn't the buck stop with Abbott yes yes and you know it sure does he's the He's the head emergency management official for the state of Texas. And, and, so, each, county and each county judge is the uh, head emergency management person for their county, and the, and the mayors are the emergency management for the cities. This is just the most outrageous thing I think I've ever heard. Um, well, PG&E, too. I mean, that uh, that is as criminal as well, particularly what will happen in paradise, but that's another issue for another time. But um, going forward, looking at this, and, and I tried to provide my own analytics, just looking at it from a common sense perspective, wind turbines are climate mitigation strategies. I don't care what the Biden administration says. They are climate change mitigation energy reduction usage is the goal so isn't it safe to say that that part of climate mitigation turned deadly against the people of texas yes yes um that's the one thing i think this this, this storm has has pointed out is that we cannot rely on renewable energy as a as a source of power uh, when there's, uh, how can you say, uh, you know, natural natural disasters that uh, that you can't account for for either solar or wind. I know it's hard to ascribe motive, but stepping aside on a related matter, why is this new administration so determined? to reverse energy independence 
and the use of coal, oil, fracking, things that if fully in place with enough energy could have mitigated a, a catastrophe like this or a future catastrophe like this. Why do you think they're so opposed to normal means of energy? It's, it's about control. Uh, they want they want the American people dependent upon them. Um, you know that that goes into the argument of universal basic income. You know, if you've got to rely on the government, uh, you look to them as your savior, and uh, you know you, you put your trust in them, and that's that's what they want. I mean, they are in the process of destroying this country, dismantling it bit by bit. And the way you do that as a first as a first large step is take us from being energy independent to being energy dependent on you know foreign countries. And you know when you really think about it, Dave, when we're relying on foreign countries for their oil, we're funding, their bad behavior that maybe years ago that they exhibited, but when we became energy independent and we didn't need their energy, uh, they didn't have the resources to, to further their, their bad behavior. Hmm. Well, I, I could not agree with your assessment there, um, but there gets to be a bigger question here. You said that uh, the goal of this anti-energy independence is control, and they want us dependent upon them. Well, obviously, there's a motive behind that. Dependent upon them for what? What are they going to try to make us do that if we weren't in a weakened position, we wouldn't do in a heartbeat? Do you have any idea? Well, uh, you know... Uh, wasn't it Henry Kissinger that said, he who controls oil controls the nation, he who controls the food controls the people? I'm familiar with the quote. Let's go to the next step with this. Are, are, are you saying that the end game here is to control people through energy and ultimately using food as a weapon? Uh, you know... I've heard a number of people state, and it may have even been on your own radio show, when you um, when you look at DEPCA's uh, website, and they did projections for population moving forward, that at some point in the mid-20s, uh, you had the, the U.S. population significantly lower than what it is today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for Deagle. Yeah, I'm familiar with that. Yeah. Yeah, the, the 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 deagle. Yeah, so uh, you know, is that is that what this is about? I mean, they don't seem to have any remorse on doing some of the things that they're doing, like the Equality Act. You know, their HR one uh, passing an executive order that it's okay for men to compete against women, and I mean, it just uh, you know the, the transgender. The whole the whole thing is disrupting our whole moral fabric of our country, and it's, it's happening so fast that people don't know how to respond. Mm -hmm. So it creates the cognizant cognizant dissidence 
where where people just try to ignore it. And uh, fortunately for a lot of people, it appears that a lot of people are starting to wake up, uh, which is good. Uh, but do we have enough people awake at this time? Uh, time will only tell. I mean, there are people awake now, Dave, that uh, I'd have never thought would ever wake up, and uh, and they're and they're starting to uh, read the tea leaves, and uh, they're getting concerned and they're they're getting prepared from from a food and a water and an energy point of view. Mm-hmm. Oh no, I, I I hear exactly what you're saying. To me, it, it's it's um it's a case of too little, too late, and not enough. And I'm talking about the number of people who are awake, and the number of people who are giving deference to these uh, problems. Because as, as time as time progresses, it, it no longer becomes a function of price on some of these items. It becomes a function of availability. Yeah, it, it truly does. Um, it truly does. Ken, we're having a technical issue on our end. I'm going to need, because to the audience, we're doing a pre-record here. I'm going to need to disconnect, fix it, and call you back. It's going to be about three or four minutes. I apologize, but not a problem. If we don't, we're going to lose the signal. Okay. So I will call you I'll right back. back from you. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Bye bye. Hello. Okay, I think our problems are behind us, and uh, to everybody who's listening, uh, we uh, had a glitch, had to disconnect. I had to adjust with my limited technical skills, and I think we're up and running now. Um, and just tell you this, we lost two interviews that we did earlier in the week. So <laughs> we're, we're, we're hyper-vigilant right now about what's going on here, and we're not that incompetent, so, you know... Read that as you will. But anyway, we're talking with uh, Ken Clark again. For those of you who stayed with us through that glitch, thank you very much. And uh, we've been processing the energy situation in Texas along with the, um, shall we say, incompetent management of the energy uh, distribution system in Texas, ERCOT, and also to the uh, conflict with the administration in Washington with regard to increased energy supply. And see, Ken, I'm going to tell you that too. When you know that there could be a problem and you're the federal government and you won't let a state take action that could save lives, uh, there's something terribly wrong there. Yeah, that's a dereliction of duty. Well, that's why <laughs> we go back to where we started. That's why I ascribe this to a conspiracy. There's just no excuse on many fronts what happened the federal government should have said we'll spare no expense you think you're going to need this okay we'll deal with it later there'll be makeup on the back end whatever it'll be you may have to pay a little more but we're going to take care of business that's what should have happened Agreed. I, I, I just I'm beside myself I want to get into another issue with you um, and that's election integrity and I'm going to give you my basic position, and then I'll let you just take it apart because you're the insider. You've been in the Electoral College. You're currently in politics. And let me just tell you from my perspective. We had over 30 cases of election impropriety that were filed legally, cases that were filed. Um, clear voter fraud. Voter fraud, the people were able to observe with their own eyes. 
election impropriety, such as in Wayne County, Michigan, putting pizza boxes up on the windows and not admitting the poll watchers so they can't see what's going on. It's a violation of state law, county law, and federal law. And we couldn't find one judge to hear one ounce of evidence, not one second of evidence was presented, despite the fact there were over a thousand affidavits given under penalty of perjury about alleged wrongdoing from eyewitnesses, and the president doesn't have standing. 20 states don't have standing, so the man who's the president, the chief federal official of the executive branch, doesn't have standing in his own election fraud allegations? What in the heck is going on? You know, I guess they just figure that being that they own the media and they control everything, that they can get away with it. Um, you know, I, I thought I had heard somebody say that uh, Chief Justice Roberts, who was Sergeant instrumental in passing the Obamacare bill, uh, made the statement that uh, you know we don't we don't we don't want to have riots in the streets. That's why they don't want to hear it because. Nobody wants to be gaslit or well, doxxed or anything else. They, you know, it was easier just to do a, uh, you know, dismiss the case and not hear any of the evidence. None of the evidence was was shared in any court. Uh, but then you got the media out there trumping the fact that, you know, you know, no evidence was presented. There's plenty of evidence out there. Well, I would agree with the technicality. No evidence was presented because there was no evidence allowed to be presented. Exactly. And I, I look at this, okay, you have the Supreme Court involvement. You have Trump. Well, first of all, Kavanaugh is a disaster. And I have said this all along. He was one of the architects of Patriot Act 1 and 2. He's a globalist. He's a deep state insider. And I said to people, if you expect him to rule on behalf of the president, given his roots, think again. And and uh, Amy Coney Barrett, I had no idea how she was going to rule. Well, she ran chicken. Uh, we know, I know, no one has to agree with me. Roberts is compromised. And uh, he's easy to bribe, easy to blackmail. Um, I knew that. And you know that the Democrats aren't going to go along on the Supreme Court. But Alito and Thomas... I think told the truth and they're the only two judges that did tell the truth these other judges local judges and and you just have to wonder you had to bribe I don't know what was it 33 35 judges or blackmail them or a combination thereof uh, or they were afraid of their own shadow but here's the thing that I just find the odds don't favor the conclusion that they all decided the same thing the same way it's just easier to go along than get along. You mean we couldn't find one judge who disagreed with that? Judges are independent by their own nature. And I can't believe that one, two, or five judges wouldn't say, I don't care what you guys are deciding over there. We're going to look at this case here. Because I've seen examples of that many times in uh, jurisprudence where judges have gone against the stream and stood up. What happened here where there's such unanimity against all odds to be honest with you Dave I don't know I'm still scratching my head on that one it's hard not to see a conspiracy isn't there it, it, it really is I mean it just how, how do you get this many people to to nobody willing to look at it when be when the information is so obvious 
you know, I, I don't know if you've done this, but I've talked to attorneys uh, and I've asked them this question, should any of these cases be heard? And the answer I got was cautious, but um, the answers I've heard are things like, there was enough on television that at least in some of these venues where those specific cases that we saw, they should have been heard. They should have at least allowed to have had op uh, discovery and open arguments before any suppression of the case was made. And I've heard that over and over from, from lawyer after lawyer. Even a retired judge told me this. And I'm saying, well, then why didn't that happen? And they said, there's many ways to bring pressure upon a judge. One of the things that was mentioned to me, and I found this too, you remember when I was fighting against John McCain and the Central American uh -huh. Free Trade Agreement bankers, and we had three judges, uh, three lawyers hired at different times to win our Fifth Amendment case where they're trying to force us off our land in the slow burn. And every time the judges were, uh, excuse me, the lawyers were told, well, McCain doesn't like it and he might be president someday. And if you ever want to move up as a judge, you're not going to represent these people. And we were told that. Right. We were told that by two of the lawyers. Um, so I, I know that that can happen. But there had to be something that happened, I think, blanketed all these justices. That, that's, that was my sense. And if, if people don't think there's something funny going on in the Supreme Court, Ken, let me re have you react to this. Setting the election fiasco aside with the Supreme Court, where they had no right not to hear these 20 states that sued. They had no right to ignore Trump since he was a, a principal victim. Um, there's now the immigration sanctuary cases that this supposedly conservative Supreme Court has now reversed Trump issues on across the board. That's incredulous for a conservative court to rule in favor of sanctuary cities. Yeah. Something's going on. You're right. I mean, the the, the Biden administration is, uh, you know, in their in their stimulus packages is favoring blue states and blue cities for uh, for funding where where others are not. I mean, it's just a, they don't they it appears that they just don't care and they're just going to do what they want to do. I, I know you're not on the Electoral College for Texas any longer, but I don't know if you can talk about it or if you heard about it or didn't, but I can't believe in a state like Texas when the certification vote for the state came up, which I think was, what, the 14th of December, I, I can't believe there wasn't a lot of consternation over the irregularities. Yeah, I don't know how an elector would be able to address irregularities in another state. You know, the one, the, 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 the one, the one question I would ask you, Dave, is, you know, um, we're worried about the last game. What about the, what about the tournament that's now coming up? Yeah, I was going to bring that uh, up. <laughs> you beat me to the punch. I mean, you know, the thing of it is, Dave, is that in decades past, the census data was released on April 30th. Now they're talking about not releasing the data until September 30th. Well, every state is different. In the state of Texas, the state 
has to do the redistricting process in a regularly called session of the legislature. And as you may recall from earlier, I said that signing die date, the end of the legislative session, is May 31st. Mm -hmm. So how is the regularly called session of the legislature going to address redistricting issues when the redistricting numbers aren't available till maybe the 1st of October or even later? And also in Texas, because I'm, I'm, I'm familiar with Texas and I don't know how other states work, but everybody's map's got to be done by October 1st because you have to have that window available for people to decide whether they're going to run for a particular office or not, especially if it's based on a district, you know, a, a, you know like a, you know, not at large, but a district office. So um, our filing deadline in Texas is usually is you know the, the the middle to right before the middle of December so if we're not even starting to draw lines until October when everything's supposed to be done our March primary is no longer going to be in March our March primary could be kicked back to May June or July how does that affect the overall picture well it's it changes the schedule, but like in other states where you have issues where they don't have their normal primary until August or September, does that kick them back even later? I mean, it just creates a disenfranchisement of the voter because we always hear about voter fatigue. You know, people are used to voting on certain dates, and now if you've got a special election, does that get the same participation as an election called on a normally scheduled date. Mm -hmm. there you so are. I think this, this next national, the midterms are going to be uh, quite interesting. And then, and what are the other issues? Because usually when we go through a redistricting process, there are, you know, there's associated lawsuits that go with that. So if the window is shortened, what does that do to the lawsuits? Do we no longer have a November 22 election? Or is it some other date in 2022? Or do they push it back to 2023? I mean, it just, there's a number of things that could go on that could really disrupt uh, the whole election integrity process. And you know, if you can't trust the election, what can you trust? That's a very good question. Uh, and that kind of lends into, I want to get you on the record here about HR1. Um, I, I'm going to make a preliminary statement and then blend it into that and let you just go after it your, any way you see fit. But um, I will vote, but I will tell you this, the common sense part of me says it's a waste of my time. The uh, deep state and the Democrats have demonstrated they can steal any election no matter what the margin of victory is. I didn't think that was possible until this election. I thought the victory margin of Trump would have been so overwhelming that no amount of voter fraud would have worked. Well, no amount of victory would have worked. I mean, Trump could have got 100 million to 1 million and still lost the election. And, and so I'm thinking, why vote? And now it looks like H.R. 1 is coming in to solidify this process of theft. 
It, it appears that way. I mean, when you look at some of the some of the business points of that legislation, it's just hideous. Uh, can, can you highlight a few of the more egregious ones from your perspective? Well, I mean, just registering up to the day of uh, voting. Uh, you also have the, 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 the mail ballot. I mean, that, that is ripe with fraud. I mean, I've been, I've been dealing with fraud and mail, mail ballot voting since I got into politics over 25 years ago. It is, it is systemic problems all over the place. And as you stated, you know, they, they're going to build in items into the system that, that makes it advantageous for them. Well, where, where do you find in HR1 there's a further facilitation of fraud? Well, just, uh, you know, there's, you know, the, the, whole, the whole thing is fraudulent as far as I'm concerned. Um, you know, it's, you know, you're not going to be able to, you know, poll watchers, the whole nine yards, election workers. I mean, it just, it, it just, it's just, it's just an overall problem. Okay. Take the poll watchers. I, I was unaware of this. Is there not a guarantee now the poll watchers will have access? They didn't have access in many places in the last election, but is this now being even uh, codified? Though, even, even though, yes, that's that's my understanding. Mm -hmm. So just in case we don't do a good enough job of scaring our criminality from the cameras, we're going to keep the cameras and all the people away, and now we have the legal right to do it. Is that what they're doing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean... The, the the big thing is is that every election is going to be a federal election, where at least today, as it stands, you know, you had local election officials who were accountable to their voters. That will no longer exist. So, you know, the head election official for the federal government can say oh, we're going to do this this way now, even though we've been planning to do it a, a different way up until this point. Wow. So is it fair to say this is the uh, gravestone or the headstone over the grave of free and fair elections in America? No, I think it's more like the nail in the coffin the final nail yeah yeah I, I would like to have some silver lining here but I, I don't see any room for it you know if we back up Ken and look at this from a macro perspective um, people like you and me realize that we now live in a fraudulent dictatorship and that dictatorship has set itself up to um, perpetuate through the ages uh, and they've elim they want to eliminate constitutionality. They want to ma ma basically make it illegal to be an American. And th the average American doesn't realize that. They're still talking about 2022 and 2024. And I have to be honest with you, in my heart, I feel like um, those discussions are a waste of time given the present set of circumstances. But there's going to come a time, and this is what I want to get your reaction to, where more people than not are going to realize they live in Venezuela, not the United States. 
and their voice doesn't matter and the will of the others is being rammed down their throats at their own expense and for the benefit of those in control and that sets up a whole new dynamic in this country doesn't it it sure does i mean you know because when you've got federal elections you have to have a quote-unquote national id card to be able to vote yeah you know coming out of the electoral college with your experience goes way beyond the average person what few things would you recommend if you could control elections today what would you say to make sure the correct people the will of the people is done the correct people are elected and put into office by sheer majority what would you do what what kind of changes or policies would do you think are critical to enforce i think that uh, first you would have a uh, situation where you would require everybody to have identification uh, photo ID to be able to vote. Uh, that's not the case now. And Ken, the only reason I can think that anyone would ever object to that is because you want illegal aliens to vote Democrat. Right. Exactly. And uh, you know, is that why they're is that why they've reopened the border so they can get their uh, voting block in? There's a lot because of theories about that... what's coming across that border, but yes, I would agree that's part of it. Yeah. I mean, there's that's the, that's the thing with the what the what the powers that be is you know we can talk about one issue, but you know there that that whole arena has several issues that they're they're dealing with. I mean, you know, it's just the way that they work it. Uh, when we think we've stopped them in one area, they've still gotten three or four things through that uh, you know nobody was paying attention to. So, um, you know, so you have a national, national, uh, not national, you'd have a, so voter, uh, photo ID to vote. Uh, you know, maybe we should have it to where we count the votes at the precinct level. And then report those results to the, to the county level. And then the county, then the county level sends it up to the state. You know, let me throw in an idea, too. I know there were instances in Wisconsin and Michigan where certain uh, uh, political entities, I can't remember if you call them precincts, counties, what, but I know that the vote total in some cases exceeded the number of registered voters. Shouldn't that immediately stop an election and start an immediate criminal review? I agree. I agree. I mean, that's that's happened all over the country. Philadelphia, Boston, where you've had more people vote than are registered to, or live in the precinct. How do, I mean, how does that stuff happen? And, 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 and yet not one judge would hear a case. That's right. And, and I think the, the reason they only did the presidential as opposed to go down ballot you know, if you would have had a lot of local uh, Republicans who lost their seats because of voter fraud, you'd have had a much greater push from the grassroots to check into this as opposed to just, you know, uh, it being on a national level. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely does make sense. But I do yeah. think there was penetration at the local level in Georgia, both in the primary and the runoff. Yeah, it would appear that would appear that's how that that happened because it's you know, 
when you look at the, the way the, the vote totals went in certain counties at certain times, it was almost like there was an algorithm set up to do the counting. Mm-hmm. I agree. And, um, well, I did, I did my own analysis of the presidential election. You know, 1 a.m. I got a call from a relative, and they said, they've stopped counting. They're cheating. The only reason they'd stop counting is because they're cheating. Get those results up on the air. So I went to CNN and I went to Fox and I looked at the vote totals. And you know how they present them. This many Biden, this many Trump, this many left to count. Um, And I said, okay, I'm going to do my calculations. Now, this is easy for me. I'm not bragging, but I've written two stat courses that I taught it all the way to the university level. And so I sat down and, and I created my own outlay. And I determined, for example, that in Wisconsin, which was the most convincing case of fraud, that Biden would have had to got almost 86% of the remaining vote. He didn't. He got over 100%. And uh, similar figures in Michigan um, and uh, similar figures in Pennsylvania. And I looked at the totals, and I used mainstream media vote totals to do my calculations. So no one can say the figures were wrong. I, I went off the establishment's figures. And all four swing states were stolen. And I had already concluded that Trump won the election by 3 a.m. when I was done with my analysis. I said, the election's over. I said, there's no way that Biden can do this. And yet, he did it. Yeah. Well, you can't call an election, Dave. Only the media can call an election. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, I know. And I don't want to presume people are thinking Dave Hodge just thought he could call an election. I'm just saying, you know, it's kind of like your, your home team is up 30 points with a minute to go. The, it, the game is basically over. And that's what I saw in these four swing states. I said, it's done. It's over. There's no way. And yet the cheating was so obvious and not one judge. That's, that's the thing that disturbs me. And Ken, you know, we only got about 30 seconds left, but I don't see any way right now in the existing system to get it back because the cheaters control the game. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, it's going to take a grassroots effort by the people of those communities to, to hold their elected officials accountable. Everybody who is the least bit complicit needs to be recalled from office. Not wait to the election. I agree. Go get them now. And, of course, the other side would find a way to stop it. Um, but nonetheless, that, that's what I think needs to happen. Ken, I feel like we're stopping in midstream. I'm sure there's going to be more than happens, and I'm going to prevail upon you in the future on your experience. This has been very, very quick-moving uh, interview. I want to tell you how much I appreciate you coming on. Very insightful stuff. Thank you, sir. Thank I you for coming it. on. Have a good day. Thank you. Ken Clark, ladies and gentlemen, Bye. and we'll be back after this.